My name is Kenneth Nars, and I'm the creative director of World of Mouth, a platform that connects over 500 restaurant experts who share their favorite places, from the best place to grab a hamburger or a pizza, to the latest must-visit new fine dining restaurant opening. Today we're meeting Chef Bo Clugston of restaurant Iluka in Copenhagen. Growing up on the north coast of New South Wales in Australia, he used to dive for oysters and cook the fish he'd caught in the estuary. After an apprenticeship that took him to restaurant Pier in Sydney, he worked for many years for Gordon Ramsay in London. In 2010, he joined Noma in Copenhagen and worked in the test kitchen, where he led the research for Noma's pop-up in Sydney. We meet Bo Clugston at his restaurant in the center of Copenhagen. We'll hear the story of his connection to fresh seafood during his childhood and how he decided to start a restaurant focusing on the best produce of the sea from the cold Nordic waters. We asked Bo Clugston to tell us his story and what it's like being part of the restaurant movement in Copenhagen. At the end of our talk, he will reveal his favorite restaurant recommendations in Copenhagen and out in the world. You'll also find these places in our podcast notes. Bo, please tell me, who is Bo Clugston? Yeah, um, yes, I'm Bo Clugston. Um, I'm an Australian uh, chef who now lives in Denmark. Um, my my background is um, restaurants in Sydney, and then moved to London. And then when I worked in London, I heard about a restaurant in Copenhagen making a lot of waves. And at the time, um, I was working for Gordon Ramsay, who used a lot of fat, like creams and butters and different types of fats. Um, so I heard about Noma, and then it sort of uh, I went and had lunch there, and it really shook up my my whole culture, my whole essence of being a chef because they were using fats that were fresh and clean like herb fats and it just really um, had the building blocks and foundations from from Ramsey but Noma really just turned everything upside down taught me how to think. So I spent some time working there and um, then I decided that I fell in love with the city, I fell in love with a, a Danish woman and then I've stayed. So hence why I'm in Denmark. Then I opened my own uh, seafood restaurant. I grew up in a very small town uh, on the east coast of Australia um, where it was only surfing, fishing and um, spear fishing. So I've had this connection with the ocean um, and passion for the ocean. So when I moved here, Denmark is surrounded by the ocean but it's still a very pork eating country. So in 2018 I said I'd like to make a bistro of 2020, using the same care, the same commitment as I've learned in my previous jobs, but just making it a little bit more approachable for the for everybody, and lowering the price point by having a few less staff that they can pour your own wine, pour your own water, to really help drive the cost of the the food down. Uh, if we go back uh, many years, back to Australia, yep. to the coast, yep. uh, as you are now a one of the more well-known specialists in seafood, at least in Copenhagen, and you have your background from uh, Gordon Ramsay and Noma with René Redzepi, what was, uh, uh, I mean, seafood back in your childhood, uh, how was that, was it great produced, but how was it treated, how was it prepared? <coughs> yeah, I mean... If you look at my village, it's it's really a fishing village. So 
we have no good restaurants. We have no, I mean, so actually it was straight from the ocean, maybe dusted with flour and salt and pepper and then straight on the barbecue. It was simplicity at its most simple, actually. And because you have such great products, um, it actually is the only reason it works. So, yeah, that was sort of my... But most of it cooked. Still. Most of it cooked. Uh, and it's also in the winter it's 20 degrees and in the summer it's 40. So we sort of have a lot of like uh, sashimi as well, like beautiful wild kingfish that we just spear, slice it, have it with soy sauce or have it just with uh, salt, you know. Um, oysters, abundance of oysters, all from the rivers, all from the ocean, just there. Uh, we used to just chip them off the railway tracks with a screwdriver or a, or a pocket knife and eat it straight from the, from the water. So we do have a lot of raw things as well. Um, not so much the, we don't have the beautiful shellfish like Scandinavia, but the, the fish and the oysters are, are world class. Okay. Yeah. If you uh, look back now and you would have to pick one produce from, from your childhood, uh, which one would that be from your... Well, one is very hard. Or I two. Have two. <laughs> two. Um, the yellowtail kingfish. I think it is, it is the most pristine, the most beautiful fish. And it only works... We, we see it here in Scandinavia, but it's farmed. And a lot of restaurants are using it. It's just, it's, once you've had the real thing, you can never go back. Um, so a lot of people are impressed with the, they call it hamachi or um, here, but it's just, the wild one is just, honestly, it gives me goosebumps. It's just, once you have it, it's just, it's the most perfect fish. Good cooked, good raw, everything. It's just, it just works. Good steamed, good pan fried, everything. And one more? Uh, the bugs, the crustaceans, you know, like the actual, like this Morton Bay bug. It's, it doesn't grow anywhere else in the world. So uh, could you tell somebody who hasn't, doesn't know what it is? What, yeah. What is it? Um, imagine... I would say it's a lobster tail yeah. with, uh, with feet at the end. Yeah, yeah, that's how it looks exactly. <laughs> I was thinking that like, like a saltwater crayfish somewhat, but just a bigger, shorter tail. Yeah. You know, like a, it has a lot of meat actually um, and a big head. Um, and the, the brain, the liver makes the most incredible like head sauce as well. Uh, but that raw or that just pan fried, it's to me, it's just, it's better than a lobster. Then, if we move a few years forward, go to London, yep. Gordon Ramsay. Yep. Uh, currently, I mean, Gordon Ramsay maybe not the hottest name among chefs in the world now, but uh, back in the days, he was he was the biggest authority, probably at least for Europeans. For sure. Um, how, how, how was that? He really taught me the building blocks of how to cook. Um, and it was such a hierarchy, it was such an intense uh, atmosphere and pressure. And you need to imagine these were the days when, you know, all the, the Beckhams and all these sort of celebrities were coming in. And it was just, it was a melting pot of pressure and expectations. And um, But he, He's still relevant today. I mean, he's, what, three mission stars for 20, 20 30 years. Um, actually, one of the chefs I used to work with, uh, Matt Bay, he was, on my, uh, he was on the cold section with me now as the head chef. Um, but no, he's really, 
he really taught me the building blocks of how to cook actually and like you can pick up any protein and you you've been schooled so hard and so long and uh, that you can cook anything um, and was it tough it was tough um, but you need to imagine from Australia I, I worked at this restaurant called Pier which is a seafood uh, institution in um, Sydney and all of my chefs at the time uh, Grand King Katrina Cantani uh, they all uh, Greg Doyle they all um, go to London so you haven't really made it as a chef until you go get your stripes in London that was the mentality and this this was which years was this? oh it's like 15 years ago yeah, yeah. Um, so you're really like pushed from your seniors to go over to London also because we share the same queen so it's quite easy for our visa um, go to London work a few hard years come back um, so you've already heard all these stories how hard Europe is and how good Europe is you know London or Paris um, so you're sort of already in the right mentality you're already you've already devoted your life you know it's going to be 20 hour days so it was tough but you were mentally prepared going into it from London coming to Copenhagen yeah uh That to Noma, you came in which year? Uh, end of 2009. Yeah. So and that phase, could you describe how how that? Yeah. Time was? So that was very similar to Gordon Ramsay, I would say, in the in the early years. So there was in 2009, late nine to early 2010. There wasn't that much structure yet. You know, you didn't have. It wasn't the Noma it is today. It didn't have the. I mean, it was we had no head chef, so it was just Renee on the pass. There was only like three or four people in the cold section, three or four in the hot section, and a couple of stagiaires. So when Rene created a dish, there was no test kitchen. Uh, when, create, when Rene created a dish, it was, let's say, it had a portulac or sea beets or, I don't know, some wild plant, ground elder, hip roses. You'd make the dish and then put it on your section, and you'd have to go find the plants. You know, there's no one to ring up and order. And so there was, it was very challenging in different ways. Uh, it was also lunch and dinner. So of course the days were quite long and stressful, but um, it was, everyone was in it together. Everyone had the same goal, everyone had the same passion. So it was sort of, it was very um, inspiring to be there. Mm. Yeah. And then already at that time, a few of the Noma offspring had already started to start their own places? Yeah, I think uh, maybe a few years after that. I think maybe around 12, 13 or something like that. Um, the first one I remember was Braw, a guy called Sam Nutter and Victor Wagman. They opened like a head-to-tail sort of place. Um, and then Matt Orlando, um, he came I think in mid-2010 for the second time, did a couple of years. And then after a couple of years, he went and opened a mess. So that were the first two. Oh, and Christian Pedalusi. Christian, yeah. So of yeah. course, yeah. actually he was the first. Yeah, and um, Fisker Barn. And uh, yeah, okay, yeah. there's a few actually. Yeah. The whole city actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so Anas and, um, and uh, Pedalusi were yeah. the first. And that was yeah. probably, that was probably 2010 actually. Yeah, that was early. Yeah, and then 12, 13 was, the next yeah the next ones Iluka we're sitting here in the dining room next to the kitchen the open kitchen uh, tell me how did that uh, how I mean that big step 
opening your own place. How did that happen? Yeah, um, so my whole background has been fine dining, and I really enjoy, I really enjoy it, but I really get sick of um, so many hands touching the food and so many, so many steps before it gets to the customer. You know, I really love a la minute cooking. I really love that piece of fish, piece of meat on the pan, on the barbecue, cooked, sliced, served. So I was missing that sort of place in Copenhagen and um, I knew I had enough experience. Um, it's a very hard step to open your own place. You're on like, you know, you're on, you've got a parachute on, you're in the plane, all you have to do is jump, you know the parachute's going to open, but somehow just taking that jump is actually quite hard. Um, but uh, I decided to jump. Of course, the parachute I knew was going to open. So, yeah, that's why I created Aluka. And Aluka is a, it means by the sea. Um, so I wanted a bistro with the same care and commitment, you know. And that's what I did. That's what I created. And seafood? Why? Why seafood? Because I miss it. I miss growing up. That's how I grew up. That's my. It took me so many years. It took me ten years going around all these restaurants to actually go in this full circle back to where I grew up and say, wow, I didn't know how good I had it back then, actually. You know? Uh, I thought it was a simple town. All they did was flour and salt on a piece of fish and barbecue it. But it would be the hottest restaurant in Copenhagen if you could find that. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it really is something special about it. Mm. Something straight from the water, straight to the guests. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so at the moment we're sitting here. Uh, what's uh, could you just tell me a few uh, items produced that at the moment you really love on the menu? Yeah, um, I'd say what is of course the oysters. I mean, anyone who comes to a restaurant, I recommend to get oysters because they're we're the one of the French oysters. Um, one of the only things that doesn't come from Scandinavia on the menu, but they're just pure. You know, they're a lot of brine, but they finish very clean and elegant. Um, and what oysters are they? They're Sheeran Fields from the Bay of Biscay. Um, right now, we don't have it on the menu, but the sea urchins is always a crowd pleaser from the Faroe Islands. They're spawning at the moment, so they're a bit, uh, bit hollow, so they're not on the menu. Composed dishes, two of my favorite, is uh, we have a pike perch or senard. It's been uh, salted and then wrapped in the leaf of uh, sorrel sitting in a very powerful sauce of uh, reduced carrot, reduced orange wine and smoked chili. Uh, gets quite aggressive, the sauce. Then we have some steamed milk as like a very soft, luxurious, like almost like a tofu. And that's just there to cleanse the, the palate. That's one of my, really a favorite of mine, just because it's so aggressive. Um, another one is seafood tatar. It's like an emulsion made from uh, really beautiful mussels from Linfield. Super fresh, they're raw. Blended, so it's like a mayonnaise, but without the the fat. Uh, really fresh cod from very small day boats, um, marinated in chives and uh, olive oil. And then we have uh, trout eggs and nori. So you sort of make your own like hand rolls. Mm. Um, also one of my favorites at the moment. Um, one more is a squash, cooked in a cardamom stock. And then we take the eggs from the mullet fish and we scramble it in uh, butter and smoke it. It becomes like this salty, smoky paste. Chopped walnuts, pumpkin seeds braised in dashi, uh, a pile of raw squid, a lot of lemon thyme, uh, roasted, 
Rashiri kombu oil, uh, fish stock with a tiny bit of butter and finger lime. Okay. So those sort of, at the moment. And you got your Australian finger lime. Yeah, actually, I get them from France, though, because it's a okay. bit too far away. So, But everything I use is all Scandinavia, except for the chocolate um, that we get from Guatemala, single origin, 70% chocolate. Finger lime we get from France. Um, oysters we get from France. And that's it, everything else is Scandinavia. Okay. Yeah. And the produce, I mean, what, uh, how, how hard or easy is it at the moment to get great uh, local Scandinavian seafood? Oh, the next three or four weeks is quite difficult um, because of the waters. We're, we've hit the spring, nearly summer, uh, so the water heats up first before the before the, the land. So now all the seafood is spawning, all the shellfish is spawning. So. Um, Right now, for the next couple of weeks, it's hard to get some stuff from the Faroe Islands, but fish is really good right now. Um, oysters is really good right now. I'd say everything's really... I mean, people have this conception that the winter is the best time for seafood. Um, I tend to disagree with that. I mean, the, the, of course, it's like uh, this, the seafood season's very similar to the plant kingdom. So... Um, Certain species are great in summer, and of course they don't work in the in the winter. You know, so it's sort of if you look at it like that, then it's I think summer is my favorite. Mm. Different types of warm uh, water fish and different types of shellfish, and you know the scallops are very good. The razor clams. So yeah, yeah. Uh, you have a countryman, Josh Nyland, yeah, in Sydney, yeah, who has made uh, a really big impact on how we view fish as a produce um, and uh, I mean the production the fishing and most importantly the actual use of fish and seafood yep. uh, how I mean how does that affect you as well or how are how, what do you think about this ah, that's great movement? I mean I think it's incredible for the industry I think uh, I mean Josh Nyland is a superstar and it's one of my favorites it's the first restaurant I always go to when I land in Sydney um, we don't have the luxury of doing... Of course, we can have the same approach with the whole head-to-tail. We don't get big enough fish here to be able to have these, like, uh, chops and the bone marrow and uh, the incredible, you know... We get... I guess we can use the livers. Um, the livers and the, the heads and the, the gills and stuff, but the fish is too small, actually. Um, Yeah, but I think it's it's a blessing because he's really he's making more people eat seafood, making people value more the fish. They're making uh, people aware of different types of species, how you can cook it, what you can cook it with, how simple it can be. Um, so, yeah, I think it's uh, it's incredible. So, if we <clears throat> talk about eating going to restaurants which you every now and then get to do as well yeah. uh, when you travel uh, what's uh, I mean traveling for a food or restaurant destination uh, which things are you on your mind what are you thinking about when you pick those destinations yeah um, to me I mean growing up in the hospitality industry I mean our I mean my way of living like culture when I go to a country the culture is the food I mean it's quite simple in that sense for me so I always and I'm not a creature of habit except for at work 
at work I like things in its place and certain routines. But when I'm traveling, I want to, I, I want new experiences all the time. So I love, and I love getting a little list from friends or from apps or from from anywhere and um, having it as sort of my, not my backup, but just having it around and then just discovering for myself. You know, walking into this place, there's a line out the front. Let's have, let's try this street food. Let's try this. Um, so I always try to choose new countries that I've never been to that has a food culture. Yeah. Yeah. What about uh, if we, as uh, I mean, you have lived in Copenhagen now for how many years? Oh, since 2009. Well, since 2000, late 2009, so 2010. Okay. So 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in this town, any, of course, you have a lot of colleagues and so, and other chefs you worked with in restaurants. Still, which uh, would be your favorite places that you would uh, return to or which you would love to eat at in, in Copenhagen? Yeah. So I'm here every service. I look as open. So that's Tuesday to Saturday. So I'm defined Sunday, Monday. Um, and when I do have time off, then I leave the country. I go straight to Paris or I go straight to Rome or I go straight just all to Australia. So... Um, There's a new place, it's not so new anymore, it's about a year old. I love uh, Silver Bauer Bistro. It's um, very simple, it's seafood orientated. Oh, it has some meat actually, but um, it's like being on the beach in Nice and having very simple creations, just good products and just, it is what it is. If you order mussels and aioli, it's literally mussels and aioli. And I, it's super cheap, the wines are great, the staff is great. So I really like going there on a Sunday, super casual, Easy um, bar, also by Torsten Smith. Um, that's located in former the old Noma, where exactly. you used to work. Yeah, and um, and how was that? I love Torsten. Actually, was the f I actually applied for Torsten Smith's place in called Mullen Smith in Aarhus before Noma. Um, he's a very creative chef. Um, he's a one of the good guys in the industry. Um, And he just has these hidden sort of complexities and potions in his food that, yeah, maybe it's a schnitzel and it's super simple, but uh, maybe he beat the meat this way to tenderize it or maybe the breadcrumbs are blah, blah, blah. So I really enjoy just going to having a beer and some, some sort of easygoing food uh, at bar. There's a, oh, a Thai bistro, Satang. Um, authentic, super spicy. Um, I like to go there. It's, it's also Sunday, Mondays. And what would you eat, order there? Oh, there's like... Um, uh, all, they have a whole list of like um, classic, like uh, real um, Thai food, and then they have the Westerners Thai food. So I just order anything off the authentic, and it's just like simple things like pork and uh, water chestnuts with a really spicy sauce. Um, yeah, but it's very it's very difficult when you when you have a restaurant you don't get to eat out that much. So what about breakfast? Do you ever go to bakeries or cafes or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a new ba there's a new um, cafe called Cadence. It's open in Carlsberg City. Um, I think he might be Australian, but just 
it's sort of the culture I grew up in. You can get avocado on toast. You can get uh, simple eggs Benedict, fruit salad, yogurt, great coffees, flat whites, espressos. Has a nice vibe. It's super light. It's super airy. Um, bakeries. The city is just thriving of bakeries. Um, Juno, one of my old colleagues, um, incredible bakery. Um, and what would you order there? Uh, the cardamom bun. You can't go past the cardamom bun. Um, it's actually one of the inspirations why I cooked the pumpkin in the in cardamom because the, the smell of it. It's almost not like black pepper, but when it's when it's hot, you get this fragrance. And I was like, it's so familiar, but it's so um, it's like a warm hug. You know, so that actually was the inspiration why I was like, how can I incorporate cardamom into my menu without okay. but being subtle? Yeah. You know, and I don't want to remind you of breakfast. So I want it to be this background noise. And the bread, would you say that would that be your favorite sort of sourdough in town or? Um, oh, it's so hard because everyone sort of does the the tartine uh, method, so they're all very similar. So it's very hard to choose a winner. But I mean, of course, Richard Hart is incredible at making sourdough. Juno is very good at making sourdough. Little Bakery um, is also very good at making sourdough. Bakery Benji is also very good at making sourdough. Um, If you pick, would have to pick something traditional. Where would you, uh, or having uh, Australia, uh, Australian friends here in town? Uh, where would you take them? Yeah, um, I would say Told and Snaps. So, all Mr. Shonemans. Um Mr. Shonemans has a bit more of a, um, not authentic, but a bit more of this real traditional vibe. Um, very great atmosphere, been around for, what, a hundred years or something. Tolls and Snaps is very similar. Um, I just like it because it's a bit, it's easy to get in. You can sort of, you can do a walk in. The, the food is on the same, uh, the same uh, level. So Told and Snaps or Mr. Shoneman. And what uh, smurra bread would you order in these I, places? Yeah, I get uh, the fried fish with remoulade and, and shrimps. Um, or I get the, always the herring because I don't do herring here. And if I do herring here, it's always like a raw tatar or something, a bit more challenging to the Danes. But uh, all the pickled herrings and the smoked herrings, um, always try that because I don't eat it that often. Um... And because I don't have very much meat in my diet, because I'm here five nights a week and we only eat seafood here, and then so I'd always try to get some pork or something that I don't cook at home, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Apples, oh. apple sauce, and the traditional. Yeah. Or white sauce, parsley, and potatoes. You know, just something super simple. Yeah. Yeah. If you travel abroad, uh, I mean anywhere in the world. Uh, which uh, I mean, some a few favorite places out there, regardless of category, simple okay. or tall. Yeah, um, I have a soft spot for Paris. I love Paris. Uh, the food culture, the people, the everything about Paris is sort of so romantic to me. And growing up on an island way down south, that you know, you, you, you dreamed about it for since you started culinary school and when when I was fourteen. So I sort of, and it's so close now. So I, I love to go to Paris. And when I go there, I mean, I love, uh, there's a new little place called uh, St. Sebastian. They have incredible wine and go down the cellar and the hosts are amazing, Danielle and Tomas. Um, and the food there? The food is, uh, it's, it's a bistro, you know, like a, 
simple, that's a new style bistro, it's not a bistro of a French bistro, just sort of like a, like a wine bar slash sort of food, really good, they use incredible products, um, so it's, it can be simple, but it's always, um, it's very good value, it's uh, a good vibe, so I love St. Sebastian, Sep Team's always a winner, um, haven't been there for a, a couple of years now, but my, my chef went last week, and He's still, still still speaking about it, you know. So Septim's always uh, incredible for me. Um, Bistro Paul for a real classic, uh, you know, steak with pepper sauce and pommes frites. Um, but yeah, those three mocha nuts for like a cafe with great coffee. They did the most amazing black sesame uh, cookie. It's incredible. <laughs> um, um, any, do you go to more like a bistros or wine bars or would you pick some like top uh, yeah I used to well? uh, I used to every time I used to go to the Plaza Athene to go Roman Meta at the Tacas um, now he's closed um, Mirza um, down south in Mantua. down south yeah um, so uh, a few words about Mirza how do you I mean how would you describe that place oh I think it's 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 everything to do with you can tell you're in the southwest or uh, no south or whatever you, whatever you say. It's just because the produce is different. The you get this sort of this calm, this relaxation um, in the restaurant. You know, you can see the ocean. The food just feels so fresh and so clean. Um, the service is top notch. Um, it's just inspiring because it's so so simple yet it's just different to Paris you know you can just tell you're up by the ocean yeah yeah very special chef Mauro Colgreco yeah uh, where else I recently just a couple of weeks ago I ate a geranium and um, incredible and like to have an operation so flawless like uh, there's so many moving parts so many people and it's like it's a real three-star restaurant, actually. You know, the details, the craftsmanship, the... Yeah, so I was really blown away by a geranium a few weeks ago. Any favorite dishes there this time? Um, oh, I, can't, I couldn't say, actually. <laughs> I couldn't say. Honestly, I think it's a collective. It is. I think it really, I yeah. mean... There was, every dish was great. And I wouldn't say there's highs and lows, but I mean when you're just eating that level everything is just superb there was a celeriac um, like raviolis which was incredible um, I can't even remember the sauce now because there's so many impressions if you tomorrow would have a day off and could step on a plane anywhere in the world where uh, where to which uh, place would, or restaurant would you go yeah and I would um I got two answers for that one. Um, one, I would uh, uh, go visit Josh, and I'll get to do that in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and I'd ask to sit, you know, on the kitchen counter and just not at a table, the restaurant, just sort of sit there and just eat the whatever, whatever special cuts he has, oysters. Sit there, have a. I'd ask to 
to do lunch, like a long, slow lunch, you know, some wines and sit there all day. At St. Peter. Yeah, at St. Peter. Um, another one is Exterbari because I've never been. And I've heard in so much in the Basque, and I've heard so much about uh, how product uh, driven it is. So I'd love to go there and just eat there and be amazed by the, you know, the whatever, the peas, the asparagus, the the cows, the yeah. So those two, if I could jump on a plane tomorrow, that's that's the first uh, text message I'd be sending. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. So, Bo Clarkston, thank you so much for this. Good luck with everything here at Iluka, and uh, hope to see you soon again. Thank you very much. Cheers. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the World of Mouth podcast with Bo Clarkston in Copenhagen. Find all of the recommendations mentioned in this episode and more on the World of Mouth app, available in your app store, or visit our website at worldofmouth.app. You'll also find these places in our podcast notes. I'm Kenneth Nars. Until next week, when we meet Chef Gagan Anand in Bangkok. <laughs>